Hello and welcome back to the Sideline Sports Podcast. This week, I, Alex, will be hosting because Travis is on vacation. Ben Ryan, how are you guys doing today? I am good. Good, I'm doing great today. Yeah, we, have an, we haven't had an action-packed week of sports. And we're going to start with, this week, a man in Kenosha, Kenosha Minnesota, shot Jacob Blake seven times in the back, and multiple leagues and teams have decided to boycott games because of the undress shooting. We got news today that the NBA is actually going to come come back from the boycott either on Friday or on this weekend, which is good news. See basketball, and you know it's it's been all around these leagues, and some some of these leagues have even been preaching this for years. You know, WNBA has been preaching for social change long before this, and the NBA is just getting there. So. It's really good that this is happening, and we'll see more on this situation later to come. So moving on to some NHL news, we have Bruins and Lightning. Lightning are now up 2-1 in the series. The Bruins got absolutely demolished last night. Hawk was letting everything in. It was not pretty. Ben and Ryan, how did you guys react to that game? Um, well, I was kind of surprised, obviously, because – um, in such a good playoff series, you wouldn't expect that kind of score to happen. But I wasn't as surprised as I would have been if the Bruins had did better in the seeding games. But mm-hmm. because they didn't do that well, I guess it it was possible it would have happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I was pretty surprised. When you get to the playoffs, you don't really expect big blowouts, maybe one, two goal wins. But what was it? Six goals. I think so. It was like six to one. It was seven one. Yes. Seven one. It was it was six goals ahead. That just shouldn't happen in the playoffs. I really think it's because Tuukka Rask isn't in it. But what can you do? Yeah. Well, I mean, the Bruins laying. This looked like it was going to be a really close series. The first two, you know, Bruins won the first game three two, and the Lightning's won. Lightning won the second game four three in overtime. So you know, you thought it was going to be like a, you know, back and forth series. You know. Game on game, we're gonna to go to overtime a lot. But uh, honestly, after that game, I don't, I don't like what I saw really. And it's very similar to what I actually saw from the Red Sox too last night. They managed to lose the game nine one to the Blue Jays. So it was not a banner day for Boston sports last night. Not well, very good. And in terms of the Bruins, next game is a must win because you can't beat the Lightning down three to one. So it just puts a lot of pressure now to win a yeah, game. You, yeah, you see very few teams come back from that, you know, 3-1 lead. So we're going to see. I don't, I don't think it's going to be pretty for the Bruins. This could spell the end, even though we were the best team in hockey for, you know, all of the regular season. Next up, we have the NBA playoffs. So to start off with the uh, Raptors and Celtics, we're set to play the semifinals game before the boycott. And, you know, both these teams made it to uh, the series, both swept their way in. Uh, and the big news here is that Kyle Lowry has a sprained ankle. So how do you think that's going to affect the series? Wait, is he going to, like, play at all or he's done? Um, He has no timetable for return. So we, we could see him come back maybe later in the series, but they're probably going miss, to be missing him for the first couple games. Well, that changes a lot because he's, like, the heart and soul of the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he it's is. Like not, yeah, it's like not having James on the Lakers. You know, it's a huge – loss for them and without Kawhi mm. 
Well, I mean, for them. they already had no Kawhi. I mean, the, the Raptors yeah. did play better this season without Kawhi, yeah. right? They they won more, or they were projected to win more games than they did last season. Oh. It's you know, Kawhi hasn't been as big of a loss as we thought it was. Ryan, how do you think Kyle Kyle Lowry's absence is gonna affect the Raptors? So I think Kyle Lowry has just been a stud since Kawhi Leonard hasn't been there, and I feel like he has just been. I wouldn't say carrying, but he's been a very big part of their offense. So having him gone will be a tremendous loss for them. But I, I truly feel like if the rest of the team plays as a team and not trying to, like, just show off and be a ball hog, I, I feel like they could have a very close series. Well, yeah, the, the thing I'm most worried about, at least for like the, from the Raptors' point of view, is that Kyle Lowry is an amazing defensive guard. And he's, he, he was set to go up against Kemba, one of the better guards in the league. And now they have Van Vliet guarding Kemba and Terrence Davis at the two. And I don't think that's going to work against that Celtics backcourt of uh, Kemba and Jalen Brown for very long. I think they're going to get absolutely torn to shreds. Okay, on yeah, to I our... Agree. I agree. Yeah, on to our next playoff series. We have the Clippers and the Mavericks. They Clippers just won game five, 154 to 111. Most wow. points they've ever scored in a playoff game. Pandemic P finally came back. He dropped 30 points. Really good game for him. Better than his last few, I can say that. Uh, the, the real news here is that Luka Doncic, is, he's, had, he's been playing on a sore ankle. And Marcus yeah. Morris, towards the end of game five, actually tried to step on Luka's ankle. It really? looked like. Yeah, he, he came in from an angle and kind of slammed his foot down on him when Luka was grabbing a board. And I think that's, that's a really dirty play. You know, that's like straight out of the 80s, you know, bad boy Pistons basketball. That's not something that should be happening in the NBA today. That's so what, what have you guys thought about the series so far? Um, I wasn't surprised that Luka would just, once again, turning into a walking triple-double. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he's playing just as good as Harden and and also playing better in terms of rebounds and assists and I didn't think it would ever be a blowout because even though the Mavericks are the seventh seed the West is still a great conference you know this year mm-hmm. so even a team like Portland actually had a chance against LA but um, obviously not now but the Mavericks still do have a great chance against the Clippers well yeah I've like, for what I saw from Luka the other day when he hit that game winner, it was absolutely insane. Yeah. He had, like, a step back in overtime, three-pointer. It was absolutely beautiful on the sore ankle, too. And I, right. I think that's just, like, the kind of potential he has, you know. Yeah. You, you can see him going for, like, 40, 10, and 10 almost every night. You know, he's almost, like, Magic-like. You know, it's really hard to compare a player to Magic Johnson like that, but I could see Luka that, like, being a ceiling, honestly. Ryan, what do you think of how the Clippers and Mavericks series has gone? Yeah, I, I feel like Luca has just been very consistent. He's been a great player. I feel like, honestly, he's carrying the series. Um, Like you said, the clutch shot, I don't know. I just think there's no chance mm-hmm. that the um, – why can't I remember the name? The Clippers. Yeah, I, there's no chance the Clippers will win. Even though they're up um, 3-2 right now? I'm blank. I can't remember the names of the teams. Wait, I'm like blanking here. Yeah, the Clippers and Mavericks are playing. Clippers are up 3-2 in the Mavericks at the moment. Oh, no. The, I think the Clippers will win and the Mavericks <laughs> won't win. 
Sorry, okay. I got like I can't remember. Oh, um, one thing, Shaq actually says that he wasn't impressed by Luca's game winner. Okay, well, you know what? Shaq made one three pointer his entire NBA career, <laughs> so I think his opinion on shooting is completely invalid at this point. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, he's Shaq. He like threw it like behind his head off the backboard, like a couple of seconds left in the quarter. No, he has no opinion on Luca's shooting. But I think what, what's really been underrated from this series is how well Lou Williams has played. Yeah. He wasn't there for the first two games because he left the bubble to go to a gentleman's club. But um, he's been playing really well against the Mavericks. I think they don't really have much of a defensive counter for him, honestly, coming off the bench like that. Well, he's definitely a candidate for the sixth man of the year, obviously. Mm-hmm. This is Perfect. helping a lot, you know. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And – Onto Thunder versus Rockets. The Thunder triple-headed guards monster has been playing out of their mind. Schroeder, Paul, and Gilgis Alexander have all been playing amazing. And they've been able to counteract Harden's great scoring at times. Also, Harden's terrible shooting. And the rest of the Rockets just haven't stepped up to the way they need to to be able to beat the Thunder team. So what have you guys thought about this series so far? Well, um, more specifically to the last game, they... At the at the start of the second half, they came out eight of eight from three, mm-hmm. and then from then on, they went three of twenty one from three. And mm-hmm. the Rockets are a team that fires up like sixty threes a game, and if it's not going in, they just don't win. Yeah, I think you might remember Game Seven of the twenty eighteen. Eighteen, yeah, yeah, twenty eighteen Western Conference Finals, where they just went ice cold from downtown. Around midway through the third quarter, it just went downhill. They made they went over twenty seven on their yeah. last twenty seven three point shots, and they lost the game by nine. So if they made three of them, they would have gone to overtime. I think that that's the real fault in the Rockets game, right? That if if they're shooting cold from downtown, or if they play a good defensive team, they're really not going to be able to win. I think. Ryan, what have yeah. you thought of this Rockets versus Thunder series? Yeah, I agree with you. If they can't, hit, they're uh, very heavily dependent on their three point shot. And if that isn't falling for them or the other team just not letting them have it, it'll be a very tough series for them to win. Well, yeah, like but, in the games I've seen the Rockets win, they always have a guy who's not Harden who really helps them. Like they had Jeff Green, you know, going off. I think he had 22 the other night. Yeah. You know, when Peter Tucker plays well, when Eric Gordon plays well, then they win. But they really need it all to come together and for Harden not to have a bad game for them to be able to win. The Rockets also don't have Russell Westbrook. Yeah, they don't very helpful to them yeah Brooke, Brooke is out an injury I think if they had him they might be up 3-1 in this series they might have even swept them honestly but we also have to give the Thunder credit mm-hmm. they have they have so many underrated players there are um no one thought much of them but they've really came out and played well yeah I'd, I'd really like to see Steven Adams assert himself more in the post yeah because the Rockets tallest player is 6-7 you know I think, that especially in today's game, it's a lot harder to post up, yeah. you know, like use your elbow, get in the paint. But I think Adams could do that and kind of bully these smaller players, right? Well, I, I think that's, that's something yeah. they need to do to be able to win these games. And I've seen Adams just catch the ball and not even face the basket, just mm-hmm. turn away and try and pass. But, like, yeah. he's big and tough and strong and – yeah, just throw in a little block, give him the ball up here, put it in. Yeah. I, think, I think that's the key for the Thunder winning this series. How well does Steven Adams play? 
Now we have Bucks versus Magic. This series, the Magic came out, won game one, and like kind of just shocked the world. And then nothing much happened until before game five. Obviously, the Bucks boycotted. They were the first team to do so. And so now we're looking at an interesting situation because do you think this could cause a momentum swing? Or do you think that the Bucks just have this series in the bag? Brian? Um, I, I think the first game for the Bucks was just a dud against the Magic. I think they were just – I think they were too confident. They were acting cocky. And the rest of the series, just it's in the bag for them. They have Giannis. They have – who else was it? Chris Never Middleton. Mind. Yeah, Chris Middleton. They have them. And if they just keep putting up consistent numbers and don't act too cocky, they're going to have the series easily. Yeah, I think that, like, the Bucks, their role players have really been the big key here. You know, when Chris Middleton has played even okay, they win the game. You know, when – or but, like, when he doesn't show up, like, Giannis still dropped 30, 10, and, 30 and 10 in that first game, and he lost. So I think that they just need Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, Brooke Lopez. If they just even show up and don't shoot, like, 3 for 14, they'll win those games. Yeah, and the Magic just – don't have enough firepower to, you know, um, like counter against the Bucks and how much firepower they have. Yeah, I think the Magic, the really o- only big scorer comes from uh, Nikola Vucevic at the center position. And I, I think that, like, Evan Fournier, Terrence Ross, they can give you buckets sometimes. But the Magic haven't even been at full health for this whole series. So I really can't see them turning around and managing the win. Yeah. Now we have Lakers versus Trailblazers. Now, Trailblazers came out, they shocked the world. They won this first game. You know, they were super hot coming off, like, their great play in the regular season bubble, and they won their playing game, and everyone was like, oh, well, maybe Dame can beat the Lakers. But he, he just – he won in the first game, and in the last three games – Blazers have had no chance whatsoever. So, Ben and Ryan, what have you guys seen from that series? Well, um, in the last game that they got off to, like, a 17-0 start, like, um, and I think the Lakers realized that if they lose this, they've just let down all of L.A., and they can't afford to do that. So, I think they just thought, like, hey – we have to get this, and they just came out firing. Ryan, what have you seen so far from the Trailblazers and the Lakers? I feel like it's been a pretty good series to watch, actually. It's been pretty entertaining. But I think the Lakers, as Ben said, just have kicked it up a notch and been performing uh, better than they started. They The first game didn't do as well, but now they've just been performing really well. Yeah, I think that the Lakers just didn't have the same hunger that they should have had in the first game. You know, they came out, you know, they were just kind of sloppy. They were playing it casual. They are like, oh, yeah, we're going to easily beat these Trailblazers. But then they were like, oh, wow, the Trailblazers managed to win a game. Let's, you know, maybe kick this up a notch. But um, Damian Lillard also, like, dislocated its, what, finger? Yeah, yeah, I think Dan dislocated something. I think that that, does that actually that was going to put him out for game five. I'm not sure after the boycott how he's going to recover and he, he might be back he yeah. might not. so you never know I, I just I think like what if we had seen maybe like the Suns or the Pelicans in this series you know how would they have held up against the Lakers I think that's a really interesting question well 
the Pelicans, I don't think, would have a chance. But the Suns mm-hmm. went 8-0, and so maybe they can put something together. Yeah, the Suns were playing out of their mind before they got eliminated. Yeah, I think that, that was the one bug in the NBA's, like, playoff restart is that not all the teams played the same number of games. They all played eight in the bubble, but they all finished with 39 losses, right? The four teams that were in the West. Yeah. But the Blazers played two more games than everyone else. So really, it just wasn't fair that they made it yeah. over those other teams. And I think like, the Suns were really deserving of that. Okay. So now it is time for our debate. Who is the most underrated NBA player of all time? Ben, let's start with you. Well, I had a hard time with this one because um, unlike talking about the best player, there, there are so many players that would fit into the underrated category. But I came up with Chris Webber. And the reason is because um, when you think about the time he played in, you wouldn't think of him. He isn't in the Hall of Fame, and he never won a championship. But he still had a great career, putting up 20 points a game and 9.8 rebounds throughout his career. And in the 2000-2001 season, he averaged 27 points and was first in field goal attempts, like that year. And he's just had a great career. Um, He didn't obviously have the impact on his team, but he was still a great player, which is why I thought he was underrated because no one really thinks of him. Yeah, Chris Webber had a very interesting career. It started with the Warriors, and he managed to get like a clause in his contract so he could opt out after the first year because he didn't really want to be there as a rookie after being picked first overall. I think that just kind of bouncing around the league, even though he was playing well, kind of underrated him in the minds of most people. And he's really going to be remembered for those Sacramento teams that would take the Lakers, you know, all the way to the Western Conference Finals. And that one finals, Western Conference Finals, that was rigged by Tim Donahue and those referees. Yeah. So I think that that's always going to be his legacy. He's never going to be really remembered as an amazing player. Well, as much and, as. And in the 1999 to 2000 season, season he was 16th in steals. Like, mm-hmm. and he was a power forward center. So it's just stuff like that that people don't really notice, but, you know, that's pretty good. Yeah, I think Weber kind of set up for kind of like the stretch big to come into existence, you know. Before it's like, oh, yeah, no, you're four, you can't shoot threes. Now, you know, you got like power forward standing out at like 30 feet and launching stuff. So, Ryan, who was your most underrated player? Okay, so I know you may not think he's very underrated, but I chose Scotty Pippen. I think Scotty's an interesting choice. I think Wait, since the last dance out. came out, he's much less underrated than he was before. I think people yeah. always I think he, he got underrated in the moment because people were so caught up with MJ, right? Just like MJ this, MJ that. You know, he yeah. won the six rings. But he couldn't have done it without Scotty, really. Yeah, so listen to what I say. So in the last dance, I don't know if you all have seen it, but when Scotty Pippen left MJ for a while couldn't perform without him. Like they were losing games when they were used to winning every single game, dropping so many points. And Scottie Pippen was, he may not have been standing out. He was a great player, but everyone was focused on MJ and he just helped him. He had those passes. If MJ needed someone to score, he could count on him. And MJ just 
he couldn't do it by himself. He needed Scottie Pippen, and Scottie Pippen was always there. He was always consistent, and people just didn't give him the credit at the time that he deserved. Yeah, um, I think the problem is that the the last dance made him seem really, really good. And I've seen a lot of articles and and videos made before the last dance came out saying that Scotty was one of the most underrated players. But now that the last dance made him, it 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 showed how big his role on the team really was. And now I just don't think he would fall in, into that category. I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Scotty will forever not get the credit he deserves for being such a big part of those Bulls teams. Rodman, too. But, you know, it is what it is. But Scotty was also kind of underpaid. So. Oh, yes. Scotty was extremely 100%. underpaid. 100%. It wasn't even like. The, underpaid. Yeah, it wasn't even the front office's fault, though. It was, that was on Scotty. You know, he took a, I believe yeah. it was an eight year, $19 million contract. He was earning like the 122nd most in the NBA at the time. It was wow. not a good deal by Scotty. He was thinking way ahead. Like, what if I get injured and, you know, I can't play anymore? So, I mean, I respect he just wanted to feed his family. But I think yeah. that, that that was not a good move by Scotty. He, he did get bigger contracts at the end of his career with like the Rockets, yeah. Yeah. Trailblazers, you know, playing out his last years. But he could have really cashed in during his prime. And he didn't. And that, that really kept the Bulls together. You know, even yeah. after MJ left and then came back, you know, they they knew they would have Scotty there for a long time. Yeah. So that was able to, you know, stop them from just saying, let's blow it up without MJ and rebuild it. They were able and, to, they were able to still yeah. And so many players like Pippen and and Chris Bosch and those players had to make a lot of sacrifices mm-hmm. in order to win. And that was one of them. Mm-hmm. Taking a cut in his pay. Yeah. So my most underrated NBA player of all time was great Bill Walton, one of the best centers of all time. I think he could have been top ten all time had he not gotten injured, because he he was he played on one of he played in one MVP for one of the best teams of all time with the Blazers back in 1979, I believe it was. Yeah, he absolutely balled out. He could. He's an amazing passer. I think probably the best passing big this league has ever seen. He was dominant inside scorer. I think he he was really he showed the kind of transition from big man that we that the league needed from like you know this big bruising guy who was getting the ball every time down the floor like Will, you know, to kind of like a smoother you know more poetic kind of mover like Bill Walton did. And he even came back and won another with the Celtics in '86. He also won uh, Six Man of the Year there. It's a really big accomplishment. He was the first guy to ever win MVP and six man in the same career, which is kind of crazy because he, he fell off when he got injured after that 79 season and never really came back to full health. But I was really glad he was still able to contribute to those Celtics teams. Yeah. Um, I think another reason he was underrated was because he was playing during the time of so many great teams mm-hmm. like the Lakers and he just kind of didn't get the attention that he should have gotten. And mm-hmm. because of that, no one thinks of him now as well, yeah. a great player. Or a, Yeah, I think it was a combo of playing, 
as Bird and Magic were kind of rising, right? Like late yeah. 70s, early 80s. And I think it was because he played in Portland, which is such a small market team. You know, they yeah. don't get the same coverage that, you know, Boston teams do or LA teams do or New York teams do. So they're like every Portland player is always going to be underrated. I also consider doing Clyde Drexler for this one. Yeah. But I think his legacy is just so tarnished from when Jordan ripped him apart in the finals that, yeah. you, you know, you can't pick him to be that underrated anymore. So, yeah. You know, Portland has always had amazing players that get underrated. And that's just, you know, the problem with being a small market team. Ryan, what did you think of Bill Walden? Um, I think it was a good pick. Um, I didn't think of him as one of my things, but yeah, it was a good pick. Yeah. Um, I, I forgot what I was going to say. We can just move on then. We're going to go on to yeah. the recent NBA coaching firings. I covered this a little in the Alex report, but we're going to talk about it here with you guys. I want to see your reactions. So after being swept, Nate McMillan and Brett Brown, David Millen is Pacers coach. Brett Brown is the 76ers coach. They've both been fired. I, I, I saw Brett Brown coming. I did not see the firing of Nate McMillan coming. What'd you go, how'd you guys react to this? Well, um, so Ryan, I, go ahead. I also saw the Brett Brown firing coming. Like, since the 76ers got swept, like, I, I, I really wasn't surprised to hear the news. Mm-hmm. But the, um, what was the other one? I Nate McMillan, the Pacers coach. Yeah, I was pretty surprised to see that that coming. I, I was not expecting that to happen mm-hmm. anytime soon. Well, yeah, I mean, McMillan's been a staple of this league for a long time. He's one of the more veteran coaches. And I think you really can't blame him for losing to that Heat team, right? You know, the Heat, amazing offense, amazing defense. You know, they're great at moving the ball, great at three-point shooting. And, you know, the Pacers, they're, they're a very defensive stopper team, but they haven't had, you know, Oladipo. He just hasn't been the same since he got injured. So I think that you really just, like, you need to think about that, right? I don't think it's really all on David Millen. But the Pacers didn't have any injuries during the series, did they? Uh, I think, no, Old Evo, he just hasn't been in the same. Yeah, place. okay. Yeah. And I think I, I was actually more surprised to see uh, Brett Brown get fired because although – the Sixers kind of had a bad year. Ben Simmons was a huge part of their team. And without him passing and being on defense, the Sixers were at a huge disadvantage. So um, and I thought the Sixers kind of had a good thing going for the past like five years. They started off not, not great, but they've definitely gotten better. Um, obviously this year they've taken a step down, but in general, they've still been good. So I thought they would keep him and try and keep this Brown and Bede and Simmons thing going. I, know. I think the move to fire Brett Brown was by Elton Brand, the GM, to take the blame off of his shoulders. You know, because he was the guy who signed Tobias Harris and Al Horford to those huge deals this summer, let Jimmy Butler walk. I think that by doing that, he, you know, not, he allowed himself to be less open to criticism. And allowed himself to say, hey, look, this guy mismanaged, you know, Tobias Harrison, Al Horford. It's all his fault. It's not my fault for signing these washed up guys and not re-signing Jimmy Butler. So I think it was it was really just a security blanket move. But I don't know if there's anyone out there who's really that much better than, you know, Brett Brown in the open market, right? 
Yeah. The only name that really comes to mind is like Ty Lue maybe. Yeah. Just because he has experience working with a big star like LeBron and maybe that can kind of transfer to Simmons and Embiid and, you know, working on their egos. But I, I really – I can't see them finding a better coach than Brett Brown on the market right now. Well, the thing is, Harris was a great signing. I think the more questionable thing was Horford going and matching up with Embiid, and they really didn't do well. But Harris has been a great player, and he's really helped out Embiid and Simmons. Uh- I don't think Harris is that good of a signing. Like before they signed him, he was like, he would get you 20 every night, you know? Yeah. Now it's like, is he going to score 15 points? You know, he, yeah. he didn't play great in the series. Yeah. I mean, we all saw the nasty fall he took in uh, game four when he had it, he slammed his head against the ground. Yeah. And, you know, luckily he, he was okay. He did return to the game. But I think that had. Uh, I think that he was just, he's very overpaid. You know, he's making the max contract. He is. When he just, when he really just does not deserve it, you know? I guess his problem is just consistency. Mm-hmm. And when he's playing well, he's obviously awesome, but. Yeah. That, that's yeah. not every night. Yeah. Prime device Harris was amazing, you know, back in the Tobby and Bobby days, but, you know, now he just has not lived up to his full potential. So that's it for the podcast this week. Thank you guys for listening to Sideline Sports. Remember to follow our Twitter and our Instagram. Plug in that. Thank you and goodbye.